This is WFO Radio. Into our post-race press conference here for the Daytona 500 with our winning team. Uh, we've got team owners Ted and Jody Geschechter and then crew chief Mike Kelly. We're going to go ahead and open up the floor for questions. Uh, we're going to start with Mike Embry. Mike Embry from NBC Sports. Mike, congratulations, all you guys. What, what was the note about? Who left the note? What did the note say? Oh, I did. Um, this morning when I woke up, it was at 3.30, and, uh, you know, I've been coming here for a long time. I think it's like my 27th year coming here, and, and, and I've been fortunate to win, win the 500 one time before. But it just something, something this morning felt different, and uh, kind of how our week started. I kept telling myself if we if we just keep working on our car and keep believing in ourselves, um, maybe, maybe something will work out. So when I woke up this morning, I I told myself, and it's something I used to do for Ricky when we had tough days in the Xfinity car. I, I just wrote him a note that only he would see, and it was on top of the roll bar in front of him, and it just said, "We believe," and that's kind of been our team's motto all off season, is that we believe, right? We we're a small team. We're not we're not a we're not a super powerhouse team. We're small. We, I think there's 40, 45 employees that work in our shop every day. Um, but I have 45 people that believe in what we're trying to accomplish. We're trying to, we're trying to get people to believe in Ricky Stenhouse again. We're trying to get people to believe in myself and, and the vision that we have. So that's all it was, a simple note on a piece of duct tape that I wrote that said, we believe and we believe today, and I stuck it up there above his head. I don't know if he did or not. We never mentioned it. We never talked about it. I didn't tell him, and that's how we've done it before. That uh, he, I know he probably saw it, um, and he, he he didn't need to ask me about it. I, I think he probably saw it. I asked him about it after the race was over. I said, did you see it? And he, he told me he did. So that meant enough to me. Go to Jordan and then to Mark. Jordan Bianchi, The Athletic. Uh, this question's for Mike. Mike, you've been with Ricky for a, a while now. What makes him so good uh, on super speedway races? All right, you're going you're gonna to take this wrong, but I'm going to tell you. <clears throat> Ricky's good everywhere, right? In 2011 and 12, when he had competitive cars in the Xfinity Series, we raced against the best in that series, and it, and it was Harvick's and Carl and Joey Logano. And we, we won a lot of races everywhere, right? Short tracks, we would, we would lead a lot of laps. I think we won three out of four at Iowa and led 298 laps at ORP, and we were in contention to win road courses. Is he extra good at super speedways? Yes, yes, he is, and we've all—I've always seen that, and we've been fortunate enough to uh, to come close a lot of times. I think last year this team was sitting in the same spot they were tonight. I think at lap 195, they were leading the race with four or five to go, and got dumped and got wrecked. But and it's that's just the nature of the beast. And I thought that exact same thing would happen tonight. Uh, I saw the cameras start to gather around the pit box when we were in the green, white, checkered, and I wouldn't look at him, and I wouldn't look up. And uh, because I know I know it means so much to every driver out there, not just mine. Um, there will be champions that will quit their career and never win the 500, and there will be guys who have missed so many opportunities so close. Um, so I know what it means to them guys, and it means to, to every one of us, right, that, that work on these things all winter long, that, that provide – ownership and sponsorship and, and it's everyone the people that buy our hotel rooms the Daytona 500 is is what we what we race for and from a kid who grew up in Florida it has extra special meaning um, so I was worried when we took that last restart 
but I believed in Ricky's abilities and that uh, he would put himself in the best position he could and to come around and, and hear that we actually, at first I wasn't positive that we had won and I wasn't going to celebrate till I, I heard it in my ear. And then, and then then you just don't believe it, right? You're like, man, this is, this is, ki- this is killing me. This is a dream come true. Um, I, I joke with my PR girl, Jen, and there's NASCAR sends out a lot of emails about what the post-race celebration process is and where you guys are going. I think there was another revision this morning and uh, about going to Chicago. And I joked with her and I said, look, I'm going to be so drunk, you're going to have to just tell me again. <laughs> so, so it's okay if you, uh, if you wait and send me another email about it. Uh, uh, this question's for all three of you. I'd love for you guys to answer this. JTG, fairly or not, has had a, a reputation for an organization that maybe hasn't always fulfilled its potential. I'm, I'm curious if you think that's a fair assessment and, and why that is the case of why this organization has been able to kind of take that next step while other mid-sized teams, you know, have had wins and that kind of and the like. Absolutely, and I agree with you 100%. And um, that was one thing, I think, in 20. 20- 20 when I came here in 2021 and in the roles that I've had uh, behind the scenes working on cars and working on on things at that group and uh, 100% I would agree with you that they haven't they haven't fulfilled the potential by no means of any one person or any one thing and that that's what when they asked me last year to do this that that was one of the reasons why I jumped at it was because I I saw the potential I think for the first time in your 28-year history last year, they had five top fives in a row or something like that. But at the same time, we finished 27th or 28th in points, right? Those two shouldn't go together. You shouldn't have career milestones this high but also finish where they did. And that that's that was part of it, right? They They provide – this team provides us with everything we need, right? I'll say that again. Since I've been there for three or four years, not once have we – they said no – we have a state-of-the-art facility. We have CNC shops. We have Hawkeye machines. We have the parts and pieces. Um, it was kind of, to me, it's like just getting getting to believe, Ricky to believe in himself again and getting the people around us to believe in the situation we're in. So, yeah, I would agree with you that, and then they, they can allude on that. But I'll, that that's always been my attraction to this team was we have the parts and pieces. It's aligning them right. Couldn't say it any better. Um, it's a little bit different what I'm going to say, but it does speak to where we are. Um, every morning, I get up and I put on my shoes of peace and I go out. But make no mistake, this is a battle. the The competition in the series in this series is fierce, and it's serious. And we are blessed to have the, the partners that we have and the sponsors that we have. But it's a battle and it's a fight. And it's hard. And it's not for lack of effort. We've come really close, so I try not to get our hopes up. You know, tonight when we were close and it was the, the last lap and there's another caution, I just think, dear Lord, please, no. We need it. We need it and we need it now. We need it tonight. We need it to happen. And, uh, and it did, you know. We work hard. The guys do their jobs. We're prepared. We're prepared every day. We have the support of Chevrolet and we have sponsors that stick with us. And we're truly blessed. I'm, I'm just happy to be here. So it doesn't really answer the question, but it's how I'm feeling right now. And we're joined now also by Gordon Smith with the JTG. Thanks. And I, I missed the question because I came in late. <laughs> <laughs> 
go next to Mark, and then we'll go to Jenna. Mark Garrow, PRN. This is for Jody and Tad. Jody, out on Pitt Road, I heard you as the celebration. Somebody asked you a question about Ricky, and you said, we never gave up on him. A lot of people might question that. So why did you guys not give up with all the ups and downs sometimes you've had? Why did you not give up on Ricky Stenhouse, Jr.? Okay. Um, we didn't give up on Ricky because, uh, personally, I feel like he's got the spirit of a winner. And I like what he represents as a person. And I, I see flashes of brilliance in what he does. And I, I, I felt like he could do it. I felt like he could get the job done. And I, I never questioned that. Yeah, I'll add to that. I mean, we have 18 corporate partners. There are not many drivers in this series that do the work that Ricky Stenhouse does every day behind the scenes that no one sees to, you know, appearances in front of grocery stores to trips to corporate headquarters. I mean, he's, he's a workhorse and, uh, man, someone that believes in you that hard, you're going to keep believing back in them too. Jenna Fryer, Associated Press. Um, congratulations, um, Tad and Jody. You, Jody, you were just saying how hard this is and, and, and how difficult it is. And you guys are the first single car team since the Wood Brothers in 2011 to win this race. So it's hard. It's it, it, you know, why do you do it? Because we don't quit. We're tenacious. We don't quit. We dig in. I had a, a very strong family background that, that taught me that, and they instilled that in me. And uh, you, do, you, you do have to raise questions in your mind and say, is this the right path? I mean, you have to be smart about it, but you just don't quit. You get the information, you try to make smart decisions, and you don't quit. How about that first female car owner to win the Daytona 500? <laughs> And with, with the win as well with Brad Doherty, not here tonight, unfortunately, but also the first African-American team owner uh, for the Daytona 500. Yeah. <laughs> Go next to Bob. Uh, Bob Parker's Fox Sports. Uh, for Tad, kind of following up on some of these questions, do you – did any of your sponsors, you talk about Ricky and how good he is with the sponsors, but did any of them question, like, hey, should we get somebody who has won more often? Not once. Uh, I, the Kroger folks are right over there. They can answer that. <laughs> Not once. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's, uh, he's a corporate spokesperson and a race car driver. Everyone can see the talent. And that was in there, and uh, the work he does for them, it's all about selling more products. So, no, we never had any of that pressure at all. Go next to Edgar, then to Jeff, and then to Kelly. What would Brad have to say? Where, where is he? Brad has had some eye surgery, and he was here this morning to visit with our sponsors, and the light was really bothering his eyes. So, uh, Man, we, we've been uh, trying to get texts in between the 348 text messages I got, but we'll call him here shortly. <laughs> I, I talked to him for a few minutes, uh -huh. and he said that he and Michael Jordan are already talking trash. So I'm not uh, sure what was that, said. That's what I was going to ask. There have been conversations. I was going to ask. He's got to be oh, pretty yeah. pumped beating beat oh, Michael. Yeah. Okay. Go to Jeff. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm over here for Mike. Um, Mike, when your last crew chief job ended, did you feel like, 
maybe that was the end of your crew chief days, or did you feel like you were always going to get another opportunity like the one you have now? No, I, no, I, I, I didn't think that I would. I didn't know that I wanted to, right? Just, just like what Tad said, and we, and we all know, man, it, this is a grind. This is tough. This is hundreds of nights on the road, hundreds of hours a week in the shop. And, and I didn't know – I had got to a point where I, I still loved the sport and I still loved what I did, and I was trying to, trying to figure out what exactly I wanted to do next. And, I, and, I, and every year I would get a couple opportunities – and I always told myself that I, I wouldn't do it unless I was 100% bought in. And this started getting talked about a little bit and then as the season was getting to the end. of, the, and, I, and I knew right away this would be one I would do. Obviously, my relationship with Ricky um, pulled me in that direction really hard. What I saw in our shop and, our, and what our owners supplied us and, and parts and pieces in our, in our things, this is one I, I, that I really wanted to do. Um, so... Had this opportunity not come up, probably not. I don't know that I would again. Um, and I, I had a long talk with my wife about it that because it's a commitment. It's, uh, it's a lot. And I, I told her that if I get a, ch- if I get a chance at an opportunity, that I, I, would, I would put everything I had into it. I, I was fortunate enough. Jack gave me an opportunity in 2014 to be Ricky's Cup crew chief, and I just wasn't ready. I, I had spent too much time in the Xfinity garage and it was at a time when we were struggling as an organization and we just weren't as, as good as we needed to be and, and I wasn't ready. And um, that, that made it tough. And I told myself, if I ever get the opportunity again, you better be ready. And I feel like I've, I've worked really hard this offseason, not just on cars and vehicles, but on people. And uh, I think that means as, as much as anything, if you get, get a group of guys who believe in each other and gals who believe in each other, Small teams can do a lot. I watched that uh, 78 car out in Colorado kick a lot of people's butts um, with equipment that they were getting from another organization. And uh, not that we're trying to do exactly what they did, but well, we have that same belief and goal. And then, um, for, for lack of a better term, you're, you're sort of like the Ricky Whisperer, maybe. Um, <laughs> why, why do you guys get along so well? What is it about your, your personalities that mesh? Man, it's probably it's probably as much of the things you guys know about on the racetrack that we have done off the racetrack, and the things we have gone through in our lives together—the ups and downs, the the going to Tulsa and spending all our weeks together in the Chili Bowl, and just talking about this sport and what this sport means to us, but also what it has done to us—the ups and downs and the places it's taken us. You know, we we've seen a lot of highs, but we've seen a lot of lows. And I remember sitting in meetings where. Ricky's career almost ended before it ever started. You all, you all know the story, right? He, he had to cut cars up at Roush uh, because he had wrecked so much stuff. And I remember sitting in meetings when they, they basically voted. And not one person out of that group voted to cast him to the side. Um, but it's been as much off the track. It's been sleeping on my couch or uh, in his motorhome. Um, just two people that when you say you have someone's back, you know they have your back. And when you say, I'm going to make this decision, he knows I'm making the best decision for Ricky Stenhouse, not Mike Kelly by myself. It's, it's for him. And um, when we work on our race cars and we debrief, it's, there's been days like I mean, we, we almost wrestled one year at Bristol. I mean, literally grabbed each other, and I thought we were going to kill each other because of a mistake. But we, he knew I made the best decision I had at that time. And I think going into today, 
you know, we, we, we qualified horrible, right? We were, we just won the Daytona 500 with like the 35th fastest car here in qualifying. Um, but, but we learned as an organization, we, we went to work that night. Like when we left here with our tails between our legs, we went to that hotel room and we worked till 1230 that night. Our alarms went off at 630 that next morning. And my group was down in the hotel lobby and we worked and dug and dug and we had a better car on Thursday and we didn't have the best car on Thursday and we worked again and we worked all night long and we we had Friday after practice he said we we got a car that can do this he said it it I could see that it rolled the corner really well I could see it did everything he wanted it to do and we covered it up and we didn't practice Saturday and that that's how confident we felt about what we had Oh yeah oh yeah my wife was there she remembers it um so Ricky's first year at Bristol in the Xfinity car, we dominated that whole race. And they changed right side tires halfway through the race, and, and we, we still were killing them. And it came down to a green flag pit stop under, under – under, it was a green flag pit stop, and we decided we needed to pit for fuel. We were going to run out, which never happens at Bristol. So we, we pitted for fuel. Obviously, the caution comes out three laps later and we're trapped five laps down or whatever and he's mad so that's not it though that's just the first one so we go back there the fall race and I'm like look we got this we'll we'll we'll, we'll kill him again we'll, we'll win it this time and I think we're leading with like 30 to go and a caution comes out and I said you know you know they're going to do the exact opposite of whatever I do I know I got your back I got your back I, whatever you say I'm, I'm here for you and I said all right pit 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 they're not pitting, they're not pitting, they're not pitting, they're not pitting. I said, I, I know you got my back, right? Nope, that's the dumbest decision we've made. <laughs> so I think we ended up getting back to third or something, and uh, he was going to go his way and I was going to go my way and just talk. We were going to rehash it, but I knew he had a sponsor commitment thing going on at his bus. And uh, my wife said, you probably, you, you guys probably need to talk this out. Don't, don't drive out of this because I was, I was literally doing donuts in Bristol's parking lot. I was so pissed. And... Uh, so I rode, I, I drove my truck straight to his bus, and I think I parked it all on the bumper of his truck. And I went, I went to go start yelling. He went to go start yelling. Next thing we were hugging, and we were wrestling on the ground about it. But it is okay. We can do those things. He, uh, he, I'll tell you another funny story you ask him about, or a good one, right? So we used to rent this ho a house in Michigan on this lake, and it was for the team. We didn't stay in hotel rooms. And Ricky always, he wanted to be around the team, wanted to be around the guys. And I said, man, we got to. We got a four-bedroom house with already eight guys staying in it. And I said, your only option is to sleep in bed with me. <laughs> and he said, well, I'm game. Are you good? I'm good. And I'm like, man, if you're good, I'm good. So we would, we literally, we joke about all the time that, man, I'm, that's the only man I, I, I had to share a bed with for Stenhouse Jr. So maybe that's part of it, right? Good. So maybe, maybe you can ask him about it. But it is. That's, that, that's, that's the relationship we have, and that's how it works for us. We'll go next to Kelly and then to Jerry. That's right. That's right. We'll go next to Kelly, then to Jerry, then to Matt. That's right. I'm not scared. Kelly Crandall, Um, Let me start with Mike to your right here. You said a few minutes ago that uh, you, have, you have to get Ricky Stenhouse believing in himself again. Has that been a problem? No, I think uh, that... The one thing about Ricky is his confidence is there, right? And the, the, when I and I told him this, I said, "Man, I've worked with a lot of drivers. I've, I've worked with some really great drivers, and and the one thing Ricky does different than every single driver I've ever worked with 
is he can, he can blow an engine in Fontana or he can get in a wreck at Phoenix. The next week, the next first lap in track, he, he believes he's going to win. He believes he, he has the ability to shut off what happened before, before anyone, right? He, if we have a bad practice, the next practice, he believes he still has a shot at winning the race. Or a bad pit stop, he believes he's going he's gonna to be able to do it. But he, 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 sees, he sees the things, right, and he hears the things. And, and, and I, I literally had to spend a ton of time showing – I would show him video and show him things to say, look, you didn't cause that wreck. You were in it, and you're just gonna, your name's just going to be attached to it. That's what we got to fix, right? We don't want it that anytime you're involved in something, somebody just says, well, Stenhouse was in it again, right? So many times that's been the situation, but that's not – that's not how it's perceived. That's what I wanted to change. I wanted him to believe that he, he, he was not the fault of a lot of things, but take, take um, responsibility for the, those that he, ought, he is. Um, he sped on pit road tonight, and we've talked about it and talked about it and talked about it. You know, he, he made a mistake. Those are the things we got to fix. Um, and I wanted, him, I wanted him to get back to where he was, where he, he believed in himself. For Tad, Jody, or, or Gordon, um, t Jody, you had said a few minutes ago that uh, when it was coming down at the end there that you were playing, you were praying, no, we need this, we need it now. Um, besides being able to say from here on out that you all won the Daytona 500, do you have any idea what winning this race will do for your organization? Well, this morning, I woke up at 3.30 this morning also. <laughs> That's interesting. Didn't know that, that you did that, too. So I was up at 3.30, kind of tossing around, just thinking through the day. And when Tad woke up, I'm making coffee, and he said, we're going to win today. I said, do you really think so? He said, I do. He said, I, I feel it. I feel like we're going to win today. And we, we prepare every week, and sometimes you know when you've got a better shot than others. Um, but Tad really felt it. And uh, we said our... Our prayer before we went, we went back out into the world, and we did our Wonder Twin Powers Activate. It kind of sounds hokey, but that's what we do. Wonder Twin Powers Activate, we get busy. So when I say we need it, I mean, you need it. You work hard. You need to finish things. And for, for me, that feels like validation. That feels like a finish. We needed that. Our guys needed that. Our sponsors needed that. Kroger people have been with us for 16 years. They needed that. They needed to see us in Victory Circle. They needed to be there with us. And I am just thrilled to death that we were able to do that together. We'll go next to Jerry, then to Matt, then to Jacob. Jerry Jordan, kicking the tires.net. We Kelly just asked about the, the team, but my question is more about the sponsors. You, talk, you guys talked about 18 corporate partners. What does a win of the Daytona 500 mean for those groups, and how big is this for them? Uh, you know, in, in believing with you guys? Well, that's what it's all about. You know, everyone we have are, are Fortune 500 top share brands. Kroger doesn't lose. You know, they're the biggest grocer in America and getting bigger. So, you know, for them to stick behind us and during our hard times, they want to see a winner. And we kept saying, stick behind us. We'll keep digging until we give you a winner. And to, uh, to do it in the biggest race, but to do it when everyone's here, I, I was just, I knew it was going to come. I was just afraid they wouldn't be here. So we had... 
Yeah, we had 125 corporate sponsors here, all C-level people, and it was awesome watching them dance around in Victory Lane. So I'm glad we got to do it together. Yeah. That ROI for those companies has got to be huge as well from here on out. Yes. Yes, you know, uh, Cottonelle is launching a brand new uh, packaging. That's a big bet for an iconic brand like that. And, you know, it's say, hey, your favorite toilet paper just got a new paint job. So that was their big campaign this week. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, they can really play that up now. There's going to be a lot of good media behind it. <laughs> Matt? Matt Weaver, Motorsports Tribune. This is for Mike. Um, we've kind of had exchanges before here in Speed Weeks where you guys talk about how good you are, 2020, 2021. Uh, speeding on pit road um, crashes this time you guys don't have the fastest car then you win is that kind of just daytona and it's kind of it kind of works itself out no because obviously when we qualified the other night we knew we had some issues we felt like we had we felt like we had a way better car than 35th and and honestly today i, I know we did um when we prat when we ran thursday night i felt like we had a a really good, a decent car, really good car. This Friday, I knew we had an exceptional car. I could, I could look at data. I could look at enough stuff. I could visibly see it. Um, so I thought we had a great race car uh, by the end of the week. And that's, that's attributed to hard work, right? That's probably, if, probably as hard as we got our teeth kicked in in qualifying, probably pushed us harder. Probably missing the race in L.A., probably pushed us harder, right? Because all winter long, I've told these people to believe and we can do this. And we go to LA and we were in position to make the race and, and a caution comes out and we, we, we get spun or whatever happened and we, and we went to make the race. So to me, it's, it's just about believing and it's just about the people. Jody's 100% right. And I, man, I've lived my life in this garage. So I know it is hard. It is, it is the hardest thing to do is to compete at this level um, week in and week out for 37 weeks or however long we're going to do it. Um, but no, I, I felt confident about, I felt confident about the car um, come Friday. I, I, di I did. I actually, I felt like, man, this, this is probably one of the best cars we've had. Uh, last year we had a fast car. Ricky's had, we've had fast car. We sat on the pole here, I think in 2020. Um, We've had really fast speedway cars um, over the last few years. Uh, opportunity knocked tonight, and we were able to close close it in. And then a question for all four of you or any of you. Um, beyond belief and conviction that you guys can do anything, what reasons internally do you guys have that this could be a really good season beyond Daytona, You know, going to the playoffs and having a chance to do well in the playoffs? I was fortunate enough to work around a, a lot of really great leaders in this sport. I worked for Ray Everham. I worked for Dale Sr. I worked for Jimmy Finnig, Jack Roush. And I, so I've, and I won a cup championship in 04, and I, I, I kind of saw the recipe how to get people to believe it and, and how to make it work, right? That's what we needed, right? So we we have I'm – not, I'm not sitting here and going to tell you that we're going to – we're going to go win California, but I do believe we, we will run well at California. Ricky ran well there last year. I do believe there will be races that if we finish and execute, we'll be back in this room this year. But we've had great meetings. We've changed up some of the way we do things in-house. We've changed up our engineering staff. We changed up 
we had a we had a team meeting for the first time in a long time before the race, right? We we are doing the things that I believe lay the foundation to get where you want to go. We are taking every day serious. We show up at 6.30 in the morning, like every other race team here. I'm not telling you anything you don't see. We're just seeing it with 40 people. And it's easier. that Sometimes that's easier, right? If you try and turn a big ship, and I got to get permission to change this on a race car, I got to go through a production staff, and I've got to ask this guy to ask this guy to ask this guy. It's basically me, Ernie Cope, and our engineering group. We use a lot of racing thoughts and mentality uh, we have a relationship with Hendrick that helps. Um, but it's it's a group of guys who literally sit across from each other at a table and say, we believe this is what it's going to take. I'm willing, I told Ernie from day one, I told all these people at this table from day one, I'm willing to accept the responsibility if it doesn't. You can put it all on me. You can put it on my shoulders. I'm willing to be the guy. I'm not ducking from it if it doesn't work. Um, but I'm willing, if you'll let me try my way, I'm willing to take the responsibility of it. Thank you. Go to Jacob, then Alex, then Melissa. Jacob Seelman, 77 Sports Media, kickingthetires.net. Uh, this is for Jody and Tad. Uh, you guys have been through a lot since, you know, jumping to this level in 2009, had only been to Victory Lane, you know, one other time. Jody, you used the word tenacious earlier in this press conference. Eight years, you know, almost nine years without a victory and all the struggles. Was there ever a point that you guys look at each other and even consider, you know, the end of the road? Or was there always a belief that, no, we're where we need to be and eventually it'll break right for us? I, I think... Everybody questions because we are always wondering if we're on the right path, the path that is our path, our journey in life. So I think it'd be a mistake not to ask that question and say, am I where I need to be? Um, sure, sure, we ask. We ask that. Um, we do the best we can. We try to make prudent decisions, financial, and surround ourselves with good people people that support us and have the same goals and objectives. And we listen a lot. We try to listen more than we talk. And we listen to people that uh, value us and respect us and whose intellect we respect. And that's usually the direction we go. And we pray about it. We're prayerful people. Not everybody is, but, but that's my, my position. I will say this for a team our size, COVID was not good. You know, we create product demand. Our sponsors didn't have a demand problem. They had a supply problem. They're like, man, we, you know, we can't put, make enough toilet paper, put on the shelves, much less do promotions. And, you know, there's a lot of back and forth and people wanting to change contracts. And it was a tough two years. And when it gets lean like that after 28, 29 years of doing it, man, yeah, you start wondering like, man, are we going to be able to turn on the lights in a year? But man, you just keep praying about it. You keep digging, you don't give up. And, we get to the other side of it. The folks from Kroger stick behind us, you know, 
Gordon sticks behind us. Everyone just keeps believing. And we came out the other side, and the sponsorship's coming back with a vengeance. We're able to give Mike more of what he needs, and it all gets better. So, yeah, I'm not going to tell you they're not mornings when you go, ooh, I don't know. <laughs> we, you know, at the beginning, there was a lot of ramen noodles and instant potatoes starting to race team. It got back to that pretty quick, but uh, it's, it's getting better now. And for Mike, you referenced earlier, you've won this race before. You know what that feels like. How was tonight different, though, with the amount of time that you've worked with Ricky, the relationship that you two have, just to be able to do it together, what has tonight been like? It, uh, it's, it's so different because of both situations, right? We, I was on a team. I was a car chief for Michael Waltrip in 2001, working at DEI, and a great opportunity for me. And... We, we didn't get to celebrate that day, right? We, we won the race. Our boss, our boss died over, over there in turn four, and uh, that's kind of bothered me for a long time. Um, uh, so to get a chance, and, and I, I've come back every year since 2001 believing I, I, would, I would have another opportunity, and every time you drive out of that tunnel and you leave in February, you tell yourself, well, We'll be back in July, and we'll have another shot. It's not the 500, but it still means a lot. And you'd leave in July, and you'd come back in February, and you'd be like, all right, it's the 500 again. Here we are. And uh, when I was on the other side of the fence in the Xfinity garage, that, that meant a lot to me too, right? I, I think I finished second with Carl in 09, and um, Ricky was leading in 2011 or something, and we got we got wrecked coming to the checkered and just so many close calls. And you start you start questioning yourself, man. But you still drive into that tunnel uh, every year, and I know it's probably the same for you guys as it is for us. We drive into that tunnel, man. We're smiling. We hit the gas, and we 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 jump out the other side, and we all take pictures of it. And uh, this year, getting an opportunity to do it with my best friend, and uh, knowing the car we had, knowing the car we had Friday. I just, I just wanted to stay focused, and I just didn't want to. I did not want to be the one that took it out of his hands. Um, there were some pit calls that I felt like halfway in the race. I was like, man, I, I might have missed an opportunity here. How can I get it back? And we got ourselves back, and then we sped on pit road. And we sped on pit road, and as soon as we get back out on the track after serving the penalty, we're, you know, we're three quarters of a lap down. And I hear there's a big wreck and the caution's out. And I think to myself, man, was that a, was that a sign? Was that, was that something bigger than us that put us on pit road? Because where that, where that wreck happened was right where we were running. And I just said, you know what, I'm just going to accept it for what it is and, uh, and use it to our advantage. And Ricky just kept, kept digging. Um, so you, to answer your question, I don't know that I'll ever be able to answer to you what this means to me and Ricky. Because there, there was a there was a lot of low days and there was a lot of days that there were that was just tough and to get to the biggest stage right in the biggest the biggest series of motorsports on the biggest night um, and to sit up here it's it's uh it's it's pretty amazing. Alex, then to Melissa. Hi, Alex Zetlow from the Charlotte Observer. From the Charlotte Observer, um, Tad and Jody. You guys have been in this um, for 29 years. It's kind of similar to Jacob's question. Does a night like this extend your stay in the NASCAR Cup Series for another year, another two years, another three years, et cetera? Or are wins not, notwithstanding in 
how long you stay in this. Well, that's an interesting question. I think you don't think about quitting. You, you know, you just keep digging and looking at the next challenge and trying to conquer it. So we hadn't, you know, thought about that. I, I will I will say during COVID, you know, there, there are the lines at the gate and people saying, hey, we could buy your charter and, you know, we want to grow our team. And we all talked about it. And, um, you know, are we going to come out the other side of it? But, you know, we all decided, no, it's not the right time. It's not the right thing to do. So, yeah, I, I think it puts more wind in your sails, right? You're just going to – dig harder and faster for the next one. So, yeah, it definitely gives you some new uh, energy, wouldn't you say, Gordon? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it was, uh, you know, I'm new to the sport, and, and um, this is just huge for me. But I, I, never, thought, I never thought about giving up. Um, switching to Mike has been huge for us, and it's just been a fantastic, fantastic situation, and I, I think we're just going to keep digging. We'll go to Melissa, and then we go. We have a question in the press box. All the way back here, <laughs> Melissa Thomas with Florida National News. Um, to your earlier point about making Black History, congratulations on that. Um, I wanted to. <laughs> I wanted to correlate that with the the press conference we had earlier with Bethune Cookman announcing their sort of pipeline um, to NASCAR in terms of getting their helping their students get careers. In NASCAR, wanted to. This is for any of you up there, but wanted to get your thoughts on that pipeline and, and the prospect of the future of, of racing with that. I mean, America doesn't just look like the people in the garage have looked like for fifty five years. It's diverse, and everyone has different points of view and different talents and, and treasures. And uh, you know, Brad certainly adds a different. Uh, element to what we do and different thinking and different background and, and I think that's the same from engineering to tire changers to drivers um, it's sorely needed NASCAR's done the heavy lifting to really call that out as a priority and we're going to keep digging in that direction it's good for the sport um, you know we need to look exactly like the cross-section of America is to continue to build our fan base so it's awesome go up to the press box ChrisNightCatchFans.com. Uh, Mike, uh, my question is, how much does your season change now Now that you're all but assured a playoff spot in September at Darlington? You can, you guys can do what you want now and try to put yourself in a position to get more wins and more po playoff points. Well, Chris, it's going to take a little delay here for about 24 hours, and probably won't be able to get to work uh, for a day or so, at least later tomorrow afternoon. But it, it does. It'll change some things, um, but it won't change our goals. Our goals is – Hopefully, you know, this will put us in the playoffs. We we all sat here last year and said, man, there won't be 16 winners, 17 winners. This just means we've won today and we're the first one to win. And our goal is to back that up with one again down the road, right? When I leave here tonight, my focus is to go run top 10, top 12 at Fontana and build on that and then go to Vegas and run top 10 and top 12 and build on that um, so that I don't have to rely on a single win, that I'm up high enough in the points that it doesn't. We're not going to sit here and start changing our whole philosophies on everything because we won the race. I'm not going to start trying things because I need to have a better baseline of what I have. I don't, I don't, I don't have anything that tells me we are on a direct path to winning races yet until we start running more of them. Um, do I believe we're better than we were last year? Yes, we were fortunate enough um, to get to go to the Phoenix Test, and that was a really tough race for this organization last year. It was, it was tough on all of us, and 
the test boded well for us and the work that my engineers are doing in the off season said that we are definitely better there than we were. So it doesn't change. We're not going to, I'm not going to throw Hail Marys next week. I'm going to go to Fontana and do everything I can to put ourselves in position to run in the top 10 and get stage points um, every chance I can. Ted, Mike, Jody, Gordon, congratulations on winning the great American race. Good luck next week in Fontana and the rest of the season. Joined on the stage by the 2023 Daytona 500 champion, Ricky Stenhouse, driver of the number 47 Kroger Cottonelle Chevrolet for JTG Doherty Racing. Uh, just give us your thoughts about winning the great American race, Ricky. Uh, man, I think back to really all week, but really think back to this morning. Um, I woke up and felt really, really good about the day. I was, I normally don't get nervous, but I was a little, little nervous, uh, but like anxious and excited, ready to go. Um, my wife and I, Madison, we went in the gym and did a small little workout just to, to get going this morning. And, um, you know, just, you know, felt relaxed, uh, felt good about, about the day. Um, knew our car was strong after Friday's practice. Um, Mike and uh, our engineers made some really good adjustments after the duels uh, on Thursday and, and felt really good about our car. We did two 20-lap runs and, and stayed on the same set of tires for, for that practice session on Friday night and, and felt good with, with the adjustments that we made. And, and it, the car did everything that I needed it to do. The only thing that we didn't have when we started the race was track position. Uh, we started 31st, and first stage I felt like was getting a little hectic up front, and it was just kind of a parking lot. We were just you know side by side for for the whole stage, and so we just kind of rode around and um, just kind of watched it. And then we got track position there in the second stage, was able to get some points. Felt like uh, you know we might have got snookered a little bit there on. You know, the strategy a lot pitted, uh, but, you know, it was nice to get up front and learn what the car was doing up front, uh, which I think was beneficial for, you know, once we, you know, had those restarts late. And, you know, once once uh, we sped on pit road, I kind of thought our race was over, uh, but felt like the good Lord was watching out for us. I was serving the penalty, and, uh, and then all of a sudden they had a, you know, big wreck right there, kind of where we were running, uh, getting in turn one. So that gave us a second chance, and I knew that uh, my team was – Tuesday's meeting was not going to be very good because uh, we preached all, all season about not beating ourselves, and, and there I went speeding on pit road um, just trying to get uh, – really wasn't trying to get everything out of it, but uh, got a little too much. And so I felt like once the caution came out, I really had to – kind of put my elbows up and and get back to the front to give us another shot to win uh so I at least could you know tell my guys that, that we had a shot to win and you know once it once we got up there you know the 8 3 24 and myself um obviously we cleared the 17 and 6 and, and put all Chevys in the top four and then I was blocking the 22 and he got up underneath me and I kind of thought our race was over at that point and then we had that restart um the 17-6 chose the bottom, which kind of shocked me a little bit. Uh, gave us uh, the sixth starting position behind the 22. And with the 8-3 and three on the front row, I thought that they might try kind of the old school restart of, you know, pulling down in front of each other. 
and I knew that that would give our outside lane a huge run off of two. Uh, Kyle was pushing me like crazy down the backstretch, and I waited just long enough to, to go to the bottom once he was clear as well, and that gave us the lead. I was hoping we were going to get back to the white at that moment, and we didn't. Uh, big wreck behind us, and again, a, a perfect scenario for me. Uh, you know, I picked the top. I felt like our car was better on the top, and I knew Kyle was going to take the front row. You can't give a give up a front row starting position. I was just hoping that Bell was going to go third because I felt like Logano uh, and that manufacturer was a really good pusher. And so once we went green, you know, we got the lead. I was a little nervous because we were low on fuel. Our, our low fuel light started uh, flashing at me, and so I knew we needed to get back to the white. And once we did that, I felt like we could make it all the way back around. Uh, but the 22 had a huge run, got to my outside. Kyle had a huge run, and he kind of shipped the middle. And then I looked in my mirror, and, and here comes Christopher, <laughs> gave me a big shot uh, down the short shoot there into one and, um, and got out front enough for when the caution came out. So... Everything played out perfectly for us at the end of that. I mean, it's a Daytona 500. Um, you're gonna, it's a long race. You're gonna have good parts and bad parts, uh, but we just, you know, we just kept pushing through. Good deal. We're gonna start up front here with Lee, and then we'll go over to Jordan. Congratulations, Randy. Thank you. I talked to Mike right after the race, and he said that you took him somewhere he had never been before, and now it was up for him to take you back. And he wasn't going to stop until he got you back to where you deserve to be. When you have that kind of relationship with somebody, and before you were in here, he even said you guys shared a bed once. So, <laughs> yes, um, we have. Can, can, can you just, you know, reflect on that and somebody who cares enough about you to see you to the end? Yeah, I think it was, you know, really big for myself. You know, I mean... Not winning since 2017, um, having struggles, ups and downs, you know, to have somebody like Mike who, you know, when he took over the reins as soon as the season was over, um, it was, hey, you know, I know you can still get this done. We just got to give you the right opportunities. Um, we know that if we give you cars capable of running up front, you can do that. We've we've proven that. And, you know, I felt like his leadership throughout the whole shop is is – you know, still not even, I mean, yeah, we won here at the Daytona 500, but I still think, you know, the fruits of that is going to come later on from, you know, his leadership in the shop and, and making sure, you know, most of these guys that we have are the same guys we had last year, but, uh, you know, he, he believes in myself uh, more than, more than I do, I think. And, and that, that's huge. Um, I feel like that's what separates crew chiefs these days is, you know, that, that team aspect and, and leading your guys and getting the most out of them. We all have similar equipment and that wasn't always the case uh, in this sport. So now it's, you know, little nuances like that, that help, you know, propel a race team forward. Uh, we all felt confident this off season, uh, but it's, uh, it's special to do it with Mike. We've accomplished so much together. We've gone through ups and downs. He's been in the sport a long time. He's a cup champion, uh, you know, as a car chief with Kurt Busch. Uh, we've, we've, I think he's won this race before, um, not as a crew chief, obviously, uh, and our nationwide series championships and, um, and race wins were, were something that we're super proud of, but we know that those were 10 years ago and, and, and we need to make some new memories. Go to Jordan, then the Bob and then the Jonathan. Jordan Bianchi, the athletic, a few questions for me. Um, what makes you such a good super speedway racer? Uh, man, I don't know. Uh, so 
when we were in the nationwide series, it really wasn't one of my favorite things to do. Um, I, we had some good runs, but I, I don't feel like I knew exactly what I was doing. I was always, you know, looking forward to the mile and a half racetracks in the nationwide series. Um, you know, in my cup career, we got some good finishes in, um, in super speedway racing, but it was more of, you know, laying in the back, missing the wrecks, uh, not really being on the offense. And then when I was at Roush Fenway, Jimmy Finning kind of took over uh, our speedway program and felt like at that moment he he gave us cars that had speed, that you could go on the offense, that you could make, you know, big runs, you could make passes, you could learn the side draft. And I felt like that's when I learned a lot about, you know, super speedway racing and, and really felt confident, you know, to make runs and studied, you know, what the leaders were doing, how they were staying up front. I mean, I feel like at the end of the races, there's generally, you know, similar guys at the front of these races. And, uh, and it's, yeah, some of it's luck, but, you know, a lot of it's skill and, um, in your spotter, you know, the way y'all work together, uh, Mike Kerman Jr. When we were at Roush Fenway, felt like he was a really good super speedway spotter. Um, Tab Boyd came on the market last off, you know, last off season, two seasons ago. And, and we were lucky enough to pick him up. And I felt like that, you know, kind of upped our game over here at JTG Doherty racing on the, um, on the super speedways. And, you know, they gave me fast race cars as well. So, uh, it takes a combination of, of all those things. In your, in your opinion, what do you think has been holding JTG back from taking that next step? Like you've seen other mid-sized teams take. Well, I think, you know, I came from Roush Fenway racing and, you know, I saw all the resources uh, that they had and, and the support from, from the manufacturer. And then I went to JTG Doherty Racing, and honestly, I was surprised at how much, you know, nice equipment and how they ran things um, and, and how much of the car they actually built. Um, you know, I wasn't 100% sure, you know, what it was going to look like when I went into the race shop. But now, you know, for us to, you know, kind of take that next step, obviously this is our second season uh, with this new car, and we've got more help from, from Chevrolet. We've been in the simulator uh, way more this offseason than we were all of last year. And uh, things like that, uh, the resources that, that Chevy's going to help us out with, our alliance that, um, you know, we've, we've built with Rick, Rick Hendrick Racing. Um, you know, Rick's been a, a great supporter of, JTG Doherty Racing in the past. We've been using their engines. So I think that's going to be a, a huge help for us as well. Um, you know, like Mike said, I, I caught the tail end of it there. You know, this is huge for us, uh, but I'm honestly super excited to get to Fontana, uh, Las Vegas. Obviously, we had a, a decent test at, at Phoenix. We weren't where we need to be on the short tracks yet, but the, we were so far off last year uh, that, you know, the things that we've had at, um, you know, our tools that we've had this off season, we feel like we've made those short tracks better already. And, and we're looking forward to getting to those racetracks. Does, when you come to Daytona or Talladega or even like Atlanta, is your confidence much, much higher than it would be elsewhere? Definitely. Uh, but I think everybody's is, um, you know, but when you've been to a racetrack where you've been to victory lane in the cup series, uh, you know, how, um, you know, how it works. The position that we put ourselves in this race last year, I think we led, I don't know, I was re-watching it right, actually as I was getting ready uh, to go out to the grid today. Uh, you know, we were we were leading, you know, the last 20 or so laps here last year, 
and and we got crashed there on a, a late race restart with five to go. But uh, I told my guys this off season uh, coming into this week, if if we can get in that same position again, I would take it. And and hopefully things worked out a little bit better. And uh, and there we were with you know a green white checkered. We we had the lead and uh, controlled the restart. And um, yeah, so I definitely have confidence coming back to these places. Go to Bob, then the Jonathan, then the press box. Right behind you, Bob. Bob Hockris, Fox Sports. Uh, in 2018, when you're at Roush and know you're not coming back, are you thinking you know my career is over and kind of the same thing did you have any of those thoughts last year when you're trying to do a contract extension at JTG knowing you hadn't won yet with that team uh yeah that was uh 2019 um and yeah I mean that was you know um something unexpected uh honestly I kind of thought I had a contract for 2023 <laughs> um so that was the uh kind of crazy part about all that um and so you know my management team, uh, Josh Jones at KHI, jumped on the call uh, on the phone as soon as you know we uh, met with with Roush Fenway at the time, um, and you know got a hold of uh, Tad and, and Ernie, and um, you know started working the doors there. And I had some great partners with uh, Sunny D, Sunny D, who also you know stepped up and uh, and called on my behalf, and so had a great a lot of great supporters, um, you know that. Uh, I felt confident in uh, of of getting me um, you know a, a a good job and you know when I got over to JTG Doherty Racing like I said I, I didn't know what to expect um, but I was super impressed with um, you know their whole race team and and how they ran it and you know I was looking forward to getting this car you know technically a year prior because uh, I felt like you know once we were you know in comparable equipment to everybody else. Uh, that, you know, they had all the right people to, you know, to get the most out of the race cars. And, and I felt like, you know, we could, I could do the job behind the wheel. So, um, yeah, we had done my contract a lot earlier than we announced it. So like, I think, I don't know, maybe you asked me about it and I forgot that we had already done it a long time ago. So, um, you know, I, I don't think we show up to the racetrack. We, we you know, JTG Doherty Racing's got realistic expectations. Um, you know, we 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 were building this program together. We were excited when we got, you know, like I said, a, a car that was comparable to everybody else's. Um, and no, knowing it was going to be some growing pains over last season, uh, we knew that. You know, there was there was times we had a lot of hope. Uh, we went a month straight with you know our worst finish of eighth, but then we kind of fell off. But you know, the bigger teams were able to learn a lot more at a faster rate. And I felt like that's what got us behind. So, you know, this off season, we've really focused on that. And like I said, I'm excited to go to these racetracks uh, like Fontana, Las Vegas, uh, and really see the potential that we've gained over this off season. Got a question up in the press box after Jonathan. Jonathan Fiel, the racing experts in ESPN Radio Albuquerque. You know, Ricky, you start racing when you're a young kid, and every kid dreams of winning the Daytona 500. I know you won here before in July, and but what was it like just being out there in victory lane, being on the start-finish line, just knowing that you were the champion? Yeah, it's super cool. Um, you know, like you said, I've been racing a long time. Uh, I grew up going to the racetrack. My mom took me to watch my dad when I was six weeks old, and I've been going to a racetrack for 
an average of 40 weekends a year, I would say, my whole life. And I came down here in 2006, Buckner. Jeff over here has been a long supporter of my career. Him and I, he he's a Tennessee guy. He had met with Bobby Hamilton at the time. His shop was in Nashville. We flew over there, walked through Bobby Hamilton's race shop. Uh, he invited us down the Daytona 500. We jumped in the tr- for the, the truck race. We jumped down. And Bobby Hamilton won that race that year. And you could see an awkward kid standing behind him and, like it, during his interview. And uh, that was me. And so that was in 2006. Uh, and I was, uh, you know, impressed with this racetrack. I'd never been to anything like it. Um, I went to my first cup race was like the 92 Coke 600 back in the day. Uh, but like I was finally old enough to, you know, kind of picture everything. And so since then you know, that was kind of the goal, um, is, is to try and get here and race. And then, you know, 2008 was the first time I ever made laps around here in the ARCA car. And, um, you know, I've gotten to race this racetrack when it was the old school racetrack where it was worn out. It was rough, a ton of fun. Uh, I feel like it's starting to get a little bit of that character back, but, um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a dream for a long time and, um, you know, super, super cool for, uh, for us to be here. I remember seeing that clip around yeah. the internet <laughs> in the background. Yeah, awkward. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess just, you know, going forward, you know, Mike talked about, I guess, you know, finding your mojo again. Well, what do you, what does this win do for you already? And what do you want it to say? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, we're not done. Uh, I think, you know, Mike and I got a lot of, a lot of things left to do. Uh, again, it's been a short off season. Uh, I feel like we've, you know, Mike's moved the needle on where this race team's at. Uh, the, like I said, the resources I feel like we have now, um, you know, moving forward throughout the 2023 season, um, you know, there's still a lot left to prove that we can go be competitive, you know, on all racetracks. And, you know, yeah, it's a speedway win, um, which is huge. It's the Daytona 500. You got you to gotta be able to win on them all. And, you know, throughout my career, we've, Mike and I have won on short tracks, mile and a half, and, and super speedways. So uh, we do feel like mile and a half racetracks are probably our bread and butter right now with this race car, uh, excluding um, the super speedways. But uh, we know that we got a lot of work left to do on the short tracks. And so, um, you know, yeah, this gives us a boost of confidence. But, you know, I know we're going to enjoy this one tonight. Uh, but I know that, you know, everybody in the shop, uh, and, and all these guys on this race team are, are looking forward to uh, getting to Fontana and, and kind of seeing where we shake out after everything we've learned this offseason. Go up to the press box. Bruce Martin with Speed Sport and with Forbes Sports Money. Uh, Ricky, when you're a single-car team and it's the end of the Daytona 500, even though you had some Chevys that were helping you out, do you feel like the lone wolf out there? Yes and no. Uh, you know, obviously throughout the whole race, you know, even, you know, I watched a lot of the, the first stage from, you know, my view, I could, I was close enough where I could just watch the leaders and I wasn't really doing any racing. So yeah, I was watching all the teammates work really well together up there. We've had, you know, Chevy meetings this whole week and, and we preached about, you know, trying to get, you know, Chevrolet, their, their 25th Daytona 500 and, you know, we talked about working together. We didn't do great uh, Thursday night in the duels, in the first duel. Uh, we learned a lot, and, you know, they transferred that on to, to the second duel and felt like our strategies worked really well today. Um, so that was huge for us. You know, like you said, when I got down to it, you know, 
the top four were Chevys at one point, and I felt really good about that, that we could kind of control the race. Uh, and then, you know, when the five lined up behind me, I knew that if we got a run, he would probably go with me, or I was really hoping so. Uh, and and we were able to, you know, kind of shuck the, 20, the 22 out and, uh, you know, both be first and second there. Uh, and then the last restart, you know, yes, you need teammates, but, you know, at that moment, as long as you had a good pusher behind you, I knew the 22 wasn't going to just, you know, go to the outside of me because you got to get the momentum going uh, and the momentum's in, you know, numbers. And and I was confident in what Joey could do pushing me. And then it was kind of a free-for-all once you take the white flag. And also there aren't a lot of sprint and midget drivers that have won the Daytona 500, but now you're the latest to have done that. And to know that you follow in the footsteps of guys like Mario Andretti and A.J. Foyt, and, he, and Ryan Newman, who have done that here. How important is that to you to show to the grassroots of America that you can come from that type of background and win the Daytona 500? Yeah, it's special to me. Uh, I know, you know, Kyle's done a lot for, for dirt track racing, open wheel racing. Uh, Christopher Bell, you look at what Alex Bowman's doing now, going uh, back and forth and, and running sprint cars. I have a lot of fun running with my dad. We don't run as much as, as everybody else does, but um, definitely still a, a, a short track dirt, dirt racer. And, um, I know how long and, and how, you know, important this race was that, you know, when Tony, my former boss, uh, you know, tried to win this race for a long time. And I looked up on the screen during, you know, that one of those late cautions, uh, when the eight was leading and they were showing, you know, I think it was a 17th attempt and, you know, it was our 12th. So uh, I know how hard it is for, for guys to win this race. And um, it's nice to go ahead and get that, that checked off the list. Keep it up the press box. Jim Utter, motorsport.com. Congratulations, Ricky. Thank you. Um, Jody and Tad were in earlier and were asked about and talked about uh, their longtime involvement in the sport and the efforts they've made to keep going, even though that hasn't always translated into trips to Victory Lane. I just wondered, you sort of had what many would have called a breakout year, like in 2017, where you picked up a couple wins. Has it been difficult since then? What Have you felt at some point that you might uh, give up? Uh, definitely never thought about giving up. Um, you know, I felt like... Yeah, seven, 2017 winning a couple races was huge for us. Uh, but I'll even look back at that season, and um, you know st we still weren't super stellar. Um, you know we we had our ups and downs, but obviously two wins kind of uh, you know puts a band aid on some of those things that uh, that you can overlook. But you know I think for me coming to JTG Doherty Racing was a was a nice reset. Um, you know we had two cars at the time, uh, moved to a, a single car team, which I think has been beneficial. Um, we've been able to put a lot of focus uh, on the 47 car and uh, everybody in the shop. I feel like the details are, uh, you know, really paid attention to. We got some of the best guys in the shop. Uh, it's super, super neat to see, you know, how long, um, you know, Tad and Jody have been in the sport. Around our shop, you see, uh, you know, pictures of, you know, Tad going over the wall, you know, doing uh, jack man and tire changes and um, you know they're they're out helping sponsors nonstop around here and um, you know you, you partner them with Brad and, and Gordon and Mark uh, they they make a great team and so it's super cool to you know get them in victory lane we had a a great moment this off season I feel like at our team lunch uh, had a video put together and uh, you know it put 
some of JTG's wins in there, my wins in there, and um, you know, kind of helped us realize that hey, we can we need these wins together, and, and realize that we could do that. We, we've we've both done it um, in our past, and so it's it's special to do it together. Go next to Mark, then to Chris. Yeah, Ricky, right here. Mark Long with AP. Obviously, it's a big milestone for you, but when you look at Jody and Brad, it's a milestone for NASCAR. How, how key is this thing for maybe the broader picture of, of where NASCAR is headed? Yeah, NASCAR has been doing a, such a great job of um, you know getting everyone involved in our sport, and you know the even you know going out to areas of of the country where. Uh, we're not so, you know, prominent in. Um, you look at L.A. going to Chicago, um, you know, getting getting down in, um, you know, some of the inner cities and, and getting, uh, you know, those fans interested in NASCAR. Um, you know, we got a lot of diversity on our race team throughout the garage, um, and it's it's cool to to have two two on our race team and, and put them in victory lane here at the Daytona 500. Super special. And, uh, you know, NASCAR's, you know, leading the way in, in, in a big way. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's cool to play a small part of, of getting them to victory lane. Next to Chris. Hey, Ricky. Uh, first off, um, I just want to say congratulations on the, uh, the awesome win. Um, uh, I saw on the replay there that you um, climbed up the fence after your victory there. I was wondering, uh, was that something you – have thought about doing if you won this race or is that kind of spur of the moment? I feel like you never try and think about what you're going to do when you win a race, especially the Daytona 500. And, um, my crew guys were out there. Uh, it was a bummer that I wasn't able to do a burnout cause we didn't have any fuel left. Uh, so that was, that was a bummer. Um, I'm sure the Hendrick engine shop appreciates that, but, um, you know, so when I won my first sprint car race, my dad climbed the fence, um, and then my first ARCA win in 2008 at Kentucky, he was in the grandstands, and we both climbed up the fence and met at the top. And then when I won Talladega, he climbed the fence on the backstretch uh, where he always watches the races there. And so got out there, and the crew guys were like, hey, let's climb the fence. And then you know, I did the interview, and I turned around, they were gone. And uh, so I decided to go ahead and climb it uh, myself. So, uh, yeah, just spur of the moment. Have any word from Tony Stewart or um, Helio Castroneves what they thought of it? Uh, I'm not sure. I I know Tony didn't do pull-ups when he got to the top. So uh, I know Elio can definitely do pull-ups when he gets to the top. I've I've done some workouts with him. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I haven't checked my phone to see if Tony said anything yet. Thanks, Ricky. Congratulations. Thank you. We'll go with Mike, then to Steve, then to Daniel. <clears throat> Mike Henry from NBC. Ricky, do you come into this race every year – assuming there will be a string of accidents in the last five or 10 laps. And if so, do you, do you sort of steal yourself that you're going to have to make some quick decisions because of all that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you look at really any speedway race these days and, and they're all like that. Um, you know, every one of us out there know it's a really good opportunity to get to victory lane. Our cars are all comparable uh, on speed and, uh, you know, the draft is obviously it's, uh, you know, kind of a even playing field there for the most part. So, you know, when we were, when we lost our track position after I spit on pit road, I think we were 20, we were like 29th and we were going to come in and top off and, um, you know, maybe put some new tires on, but you know, we know track position is so important. So Mike said, if, 
five or six in front of us pit. Let's stay out. That's just five or six less that we have to pass, you know, in a 14 lap run to the finish. And so we did that. I felt like it was a, was a huge, uh, you know, strategy play to, you know, give us a shot. And then, yeah, it was chaos at the end. I mean, um, you know, I got a good restart on the top, jumped to the bottom and there was cars bouncing off the wall, uh, bouncing off each other, somehow all keeping them going straight. But, my line that I was in every time seemed to carry the momentum. And then all of a sudden I looked up and, you know, we were in, uh, I think seventh at, at the time. And so after that, it, it got a little bit calmer, but we were all pushing each other like crazy. Um, you know, throughout the whole race, you're, you're pushing in key parts of the racetrack. You, you push once you get in the flat, uh, off of turn two, get your momentum down the back stretch, you release, uh, getting into turn three, and then you get close again, kind of through turn three and try and carry that momentum all the way back, you know, down the front stretch, not a lot of bump drafting. And then, you know, a lot of bump drafting down the back stretch again. So I felt like everybody did a really good job of, you know, being smart and, you know, kind of methodical throughout the race. But with, you know, when you're in 10 to go, it's like we all lose our mind and just, you know, push the whole time. And uh, these cars are difficult to drive when, when you're getting pushed all the way around the racetrack. Steve? Steve Schweitzer with Alaska Press. Uh, how uh, important do you feel um, the next-gen car um, and the, so to speak, leveling of the playing field um, contributed or, or how important that was, do you think, uh, in your race team being able to pull this off this evening? I think – I don't think the this car um, helped us pull this off at Daytona. If you look, you know, my very first race here at, um, at Daytona, we sat on the pole uh, with the old school car. So uh, that was huge. And, and I felt like, you know, with – with the the older car, I felt like we had race cars capable of winning uh, while while being here at JTG Doherty Racing. I think the car going forward at at other racetracks is um, where we feel like it helps you know kind of level the playing field to a point. Like I said, I think last season the bigger teams learned at a faster rate. Um, you know, we we hit on some stuff for about a month and, and felt really good, uh, and then we kind of seemed to lose ground to to some of those bigger teams. So. We look to make that jump this past off season. Uh, feel like we've we've made the you know some big gains, and uh, we're looking forward to this car. Um, you know, making competition you know more and more throughout throughout the season. Go next to Daniel, then to Allen. Daniel McFadden, Frenchers.com. Ricky, in, in the years since you got your first two wins back in 2017, there's been a lot of like criticism and jokes made at your expense because of your aggressive driving style in these races and accidents you may or may not have caused on a night like this on this stage when everyone else is in the garage fixing torn up cars and you're crossing the finish line not, not at least not much of a scratch on your car do you feel like you got the last laugh tonight uh i mean obviously you're gonna have haters everywhere um and when you have somebody you know at the time uh like kyle bush you know getting out and bashing you, uh, yeah, that's, that's difficult to overcome, but, um, you know, I mean, I feel like I've put myself in some bad spots. Yeah. Throughout, throughout my career, but, um, you know, the, the faster we get our cars, the more I can take care of them and, and still run them close to the front, you know, something I've always tried to do, which is, you know, at, you know, sometimes an expense is try and take a car, um, 
you know, and, and try and get way more out of it than, you know, than what's there. And so, you know, I feel like that's my job to do as a race car driver is to get, you know, the most speed out of a race car that you can, but, um, you know, also in this sport, you got to take care of it and, you know, you can't, you can't just leave it all out there every single, every single race. Um, you know, so that's something that, you know, I felt like this off season we've, we've kind of met and, you know, Mike's, you know, super confident he's, and what he can do and, and what our engineers and, and team can give me. Uh, and, you know, we'll assess each weekend, you know, after practice and after qualifying, you know, what our goals are for, for that given race day. And, you know, so I think we'll do a better job of, you know, kind of setting our, our realistic expectations each week. And, and I'll, if we're, if we feel like 15th is, uh, where we need to be that given week, then that's where I'm going to try and get the car to and, and not try and get it to 10th or 5th, uh, like I, like I tend to do. So, um, you know, that's something that we're going to be super focused on this year of, um, you know, finishing races. Uh, you know, Mike brought up this off season, you know, back in the nationwide series when we had fast race cars, uh, we, in 2011, uh, we finished, I think 98.9% of the laps and in 2012, I think we finished 98.2% of the laps. Uh, and the only laps we didn't finish were crashes at super speedways. So uh, we know that we can, we can do that, um, together as a race team. And, and we're looking forward to showing everybody that. And wh- where's the party going to be tonight? I don't know yet. Um, at, yeah, at somewhere, um, we will be here. Uh, for for a long time. Okay. Alan, congratulations, Ricky, on winning Thank the you. Daytona 500. This is Alan Alfred from the Alan and Aaron Sports Radio Show. Throughout this whole week, I've heard drivers say that winning the Daytona 500 is circumstantial. But you just mentioned that you use a lot of strategy to win this race. Can you please explain now that you won the Daytona 500? What are your thoughts on what it takes to win this race? Definitely. I mean, definitely it's circumstantial at times. Uh, but you know, like I said earlier, you look, you look at the history of this race, uh, you look at the history of, of super speedway racing. Um, and a lot of the same guys are towards the front and, you know, since 2016 ish, I feel like we're, you know, some of those, um, contenders that, that are at the front of those races towards the end of the race. And, you know, this race, uh, it's a long race. Uh, the, like I said, the first stage, we didn't have track position, but I felt like I kind of went to school watching, you know, what the leaders were doing so that when I got there, uh, you know, I kind of knew what to expect. And then, you know, we, we got there and I felt really good, uh, being in the top five there. And and at the end of that second stage, I felt like I pushed the 48 really well, uh, the 48 and one, uh, and myself, I felt like really controlled, you know, some of the, those, those last few laps coming to the stage in, um, you know, so yeah, I mean, you gotta, it's circumstantial. You gotta, you gotta catch breaks at the right time. You gotta, you know, be able to, to make moves and your line's got to go, but, uh, you're also looking ahead. Your spotter's giving you all the information that he can, uh, to make sure that, you know, you have all the info to, to figure out which lane to be in. Uh, there was, there was times where, you know, tab was telling me, Hey, you know, get to the top lane, get to the top lane. He saw something that I couldn't see in the front that killed the bottom, you know, lane's momentum. Uh, and it propelled us past, you know, four or five. And then, you know, we jumped back to the bottom, things like that. So, uh, definitely a lot of strategy involved, um, and, and calculated moves. Wrap right here with Matt Weaver.
Matt Weaver, Motorsports Tribune. I think Daniel kind of stole my thunder a little bit, but I want to kind of take it a little further. And I'm curious, you mentioned like in your Xfinity Championship days, really good car, not have to be as aggressive, take what the car gives you, all that stuff. So from that standpoint, do you think the last couple of years where it seems like every year we get to the end of the season and you're right there on the bubble points-wise or maybe even needing to win, do you feel like from day one you're up against it and you have to race more aggressive? And to that point, now that you start off this season with a win, presumably in the playoffs, that now that edge is completely gone? Uh, yeah, starting the season off with a win definitely changes, I feel like, uh, your mindset going forward. Um, but, you know, as we saw last year, uh, you've, you're going to have to gain some points. You're going to have to uh, stay ahead of, you know, eventual winners in, in the point standings to, uh, you know, to make the playoffs. So, you know, I think this season you could see you know more winners than we had last year and and that being said um you know we got to be on our a game from from here on out but like i said i think everything that we've learned this off season i've got a lot of confidence in the cars that my guys are going to be able to give me so that you know i don't have to overdrive them to you know get good finishes and and you know there'll be days that we'll finish you know 17th 18th but that might be our that might be our goal for that given weekend. Uh, we can't finish, you know, above twenty fifth, right? I mean, that kills you in the points. So we're uh, we're wanting to be consistent. Um, you know, obviously we we wanted to get a win. We we've we've done that, but we do feel like there's other racetracks that we're capable of winning at, um, based off of you know our performance at some last year and and the things that we've learned this off season. So, um, yeah, I think mindset wise it, it definitely calms the nerves a little bit to you know go out and really focus on what we're doing only and then i know mike woke up this morning with that conviction that you guys could do this and um there was always that conviction that you guys could do this but i feel like the cars you had with them in 2020 2021 were really really good cars i don't think this car was quite as good as those cars and i'm and i'm curious is the irony kind of not lost on you that um you guys had arguably the best car here those two years, and you come back this year, qualify near the back of the field, and this is the year that you guys get it done. Yeah, it's crazy. We were, you know, our car in 2020 was amazingly fast. I think we shocked everybody with, you know, getting the pole uh, and, and had really good cars uh, those two years. You know, we came here last year, and we qualified, I think, 24th. So we, we qualified 10 spots better, but we were a second off the pole. Uh, we qualified 34th this year. We were seven and a half tenths off the pole. So technically we were closer to the to the lead cars. It was just like everybody got faster and, and we kind of fell back in, in positions. Uh, and so I told my guys after Wednesday, I said, you know, we have a, we have a, you know, a, a set kind of standard of like, hey, here's our qualifying for super speedways. We've set the bar. Now let's try and make that better going forward. But I said, guys, we're closer to the lead pack cars than what we were last year. And we were leading this race, uh, you know, with five or six to go. I said, we, we have a car capable of doing that. Uh, and we, like I said, we made adjustments, um, that gave up a little handling and, and ride quality for, for a little bit of speed. Uh, and I felt like in our Chevy draft, uh, on Friday night, I felt super confident in the car again, maybe not the fastest, but I felt like, 
I drafted well, it handled good enough for me, and I felt like that was always, you know, one of our benefits and, and kind of uh, key things to have here at Super Speedway races is cars that handle good and, and being able to get pushed without, you know, getting too out of shape, and I felt like I had that. Well, Ricky, congratulations on winning the Daytona 500, and we'll see you next week at Fontana. Yes, can't wait. Yeah, thank you all. This is WFO Radio. Yeah, welcome to the party. Bye, bye, bye. Subscribe to WFO Radio on iTunes. Never miss a show. And don't forget to write a review. WFO. Oh.